Every 17 years, we have these locusts, these Acadians. And I don't know much about them, but they're there. I don't know their purpose, really. I don't really care to know too much about them. They don't really fascinate me too much. They come every 17 years. They come and go. But that doesn't mean the fact that I don't care about Zacades, that I don't really have an interest in them, or that I'm maybe of the opinion because I've listened to sound bites from others that we don't know what they do, what their real purpose is. That doesn't mean that they don't have a purpose. It doesn't mean that Zacades probably have a very profound influence in the course of chain of being in nature. And we have to respect that because there's a mystery about them. But the fact that there's a kind of a mystery about them doesn't mean that there isn't an intelligence there. And that's true of a lot of things in nature, isn't it? I don't know a lot about jellyfish, but I know that they have a very important role to play. Do I care? That's not the point. It's intelligence. There's mystery, and then there's intelligence of the mystery. And as I said, there's a lot of stuff in the physical natures out there that you and I probe to know, and we know a lot, and we keep studying it. That's called science. But there's still going to be a lot we don't know. And when we say, well, I don't know everything about it, that doesn't mean we don't give up trying to probe to know more and to respect those natures, understand how they all fit together in a complexus called this universe of which you and I are a part. Now, if that's true in the natural order, friends, how much more it is true in the supernatural order? A lot of mysteries. And here we have a mystery today, the most holy trinity. And you can say, well, we, we don't know much about this, and who knows a lot about God anyway, so let's just kind of acknowledge that God is three persons and move on, Father. Don't, don't spend a lot of time on this. You don't know much about this. You can't know much about this. And what's the practical import of that for my life today? See, I think that thinking is foolish. That thinking is very silly. Because when it comes to the mysteries of faith, like the incarnation, the immaculate conception, transubstantiation, even the mystery of a priesthood, it's very easy to dismiss all that and say, mystery, can't figure it out, doesn't mean much, just like those Zacades. No. No, Jesus doesn't mess around. So when he says, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this is a revelation by Christ himself to his disciples two millennia ago in a place called Galilee. You can go there today if you want. He means something. Now, either God is intelligent or God is not. Either God is fickle or God is true. 
Either God is perfect or God is not. Well, Jesus neither deceives nor can be deceived, so what he says is true. It would have been a lot easier if Jesus had simply said, believe in God, end of story. No, he goes deeper. He reveals something about the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we have to take that seriously. We have to probe to understand this mystery, not write it off and dismiss it, but take it seriously. Because it has great import for you and for me because we are made in the image and likeness of that Godhead who is triune, a trinity of monotheism. In fact, Christianity is the only religion in the world that proclaims a Trinitarian monotheism. One God, three persons. So we have about seven minutes to talk about it. Well, God has revealed himself as a person. And a personal agent, if it's truly in the nature of a person, a personal agent, has intellect and free will, a mind and a free will. And in that mind, there's knowledge. And in that free will, there's a choice. So God knows himself, and God loves himself. But notice, friends, what's the nature of a person who loves? To love himself exclusively? Think of God in perfect, exclusive self-love. What would that be? Any psychologist here? Narcissism. Perfect, exclusive self-love is narcissism. That's a defect. That's a privation of being. That's a sickness. It's a dysfunction. It's evil. God cannot be a narcissist. Therefore, God cannot exclusively love himself but a personal agent who's filled with love must love another person. Oh, now you see the logic of this mystery. God so loves, he must love another. Well, who's that other? His son. Now think about that. God so loves perfectly as a personal agent, he must love another. And if that other is eternal like himself, he loves the Father perfectly. <clears throat> so there's perfect love between the Father and the Son. The Father so loves the Son, the Son so loves the Father, and the fruit of that love, that relationship, that bond, if you will, or to use a language that we do energy or synergy between the two. That's the Holy Spirit. The fruit of their love is love. It never ends. It keeps going. It's eternal, unconditional love.
So that's the Holy Spirit, the fruit of their love. Now you get the logic. God must love another. And the fruit of that love is eternal, the Spirit. There'll be a quiz on this later. Now, Jesus says, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Wow. All power. So he is God made flesh. And it's been given to me by my Father. And now I give it to you with the Father in the power of our love, the Holy Spirit. We call that the church. So where is God? God dwells in his church, in the church, the body of Christ, for 2,021 years. And we're doing the same thing he commanded them to do. Go, make disciples, teach them, and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And know this, that I, with the Father, guarded by the Spirit in you, the church, will be with you until the end of all time, the end of the age, an eternal covenant of love. Now that makes great intelligence. Monotheism is intelligent, but Trinitarian monotheism is even more intelligent because it tells us about the nature of a personal God who must love the other and cannot but love. And that's the good news. There's the other thing that's important for us is that God cannot stop loving. It's an eternal love. He can't say, okay, I love you today, but I hate you tomorrow. Well, those are the gods of the myths of the Greeks and the Romans and the Indians, the Africans, the Chinese. Those, those, those gods are fickle down through the ages. They change their mind. I'm your friend today, but I hate you tomorrow. Uh-uh-uh-uh. No, God doesn't do that. Not this God. Can't change his mind. Can't change his will. Change less. Immutable, we say. This is a perfect being. I mean, this is amazing revelation. A mystery to be probed. And now the import for you and me. Made in that image and likeness of God, who is three, you and I are also Trinitarian. A triune understanding of the human psyche in relation to God, in relation to ourselves, and in relation to each other. God, self, other. Which is why when he gives the commandment, love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself, he's speaking of the triune understanding of human nature which he created. So if we're not into the triune understanding of God, we're not into the triune understanding of self, of ourselves. And you're not in that frame of reference, you get messed up. For example, you can say, I love the Lord my God, but I hate my neighbor. I love my neighbor, but I hate God. I hate you all, but I love myself. That's the real loser. No, I have to work this triune relationship 
And it's not easy to navigate all that, but if I get into God first, if I get into that love of God and the Godhead of the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and trust in that relationship, then all the other relationships in my life and with myself, they'll, they'll play themselves out properly. They will. I don't always get it straight, but I'm working at that. And with God's grace, I'm going to keep God first. And I'm going to let the other stuff play itself out because I'm into love of God. But if I'm not into love of God and only the love of man and woman, or only natures, then I'm really messing things up. And that's where people go a little wonky. They really do. So it's very important. Christ is always telling his disciples, stay united with me and know that I'm with you. Don't start going off and doing your own thing. No, go and teach them everything I commanded you. Go and make disciples as I made of you and baptize them. Don't forget to baptize, guys. So th this is not just the church made these things up artificially by some men and women. Oh no, th th this is the commandment of Jesus Christ. Let's take that seriously and put aside other myths about the church. Now this is the word of God made flesh. Notice everything we do is basically in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the cross. This is the suffering love that God patiently had from all eternity for you and for me, for his creation. Even for zucchinis and jellyfish. No, God doesn't care about those. Oh, yeah, God creates those things. So God cares about everything he creates. God knows what he creates. God wills what he creates freely. He does it all out of love for them, for you, for me. Because he desires to share that love as much as the share he had with his divine son from all eternity. My dear friends, in a moment, we're about to recite the creed. I'd like today for you to make that special effort as we pray the creed, not just say it, pray it, because it's organized by the church for 2,000 years in Trinitarian formula. I believe in what? One God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, the Holy Spirit, who is God. Okay, a trinity of substance unified in their being. Three persons who love each other eternally. Isn't that a great gift? God so loves the other. And God therefore cannot stop loving you. Even when we choose perhaps to stop loving him, he will never stop loving you. Because you know what? He cannot change. He will not change. He told us.